0: The Free For All Roundtable.
1: Round one.
2: Scott Reid is here, CTV political commentator, advisor to a number of Canadian prime ministers, along with son Sam. Sam, it's nice to have you here today, too. Oh, yeah. hi. There we go. Thank <laughs> you. There you go. I told him yeah. to make sure he yeah. says something, because then we have to pay him. Yeah, then we're going to have yeah. to pay him. All right, we'll uh, back the truck up. What, <laughs> Deb Hutton is here, former advisor to two Ontario premiers. Jerry Agar, as you heard, is here. He will be hosting his own show from 9 to noon, but right now we have uh, Jerry Deliciousness live in studio for the roundtable. Uh, Queen's Park resumes today I don't know if there's much to be said about this but Deb Hutton um, what kind of preparation would have gone in in the premier's office today to be ready because they got to hit the ground running.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think they'll expect questions on health care for sure. I think uh, the premier himself, if he's in the House, which I hope he is, uh, will expect questions on the developers. Uh, the newly minted leader of the NDP, Marit Stiles, said that she's already working on a new complaint to the integrity commissioner around the premier's relationship with developers. So I, I expect some fireworks. The only thing I'm kind of waiting for is whether the NDP go on crap and corruption or whether they go on health care. And I think that'll be pretty telling for their first question. Thank
2: <laughs> you. Yeah, Scott Reid, I mean, you used to prepare people for Question Period. And the NDP's got to make some pretty important choices about what it raises today. Because if it's the stag and dough thing, that's a
1: scandal. But if it's the healthcare system, that's red meat. Yeah. Question Period lends itself more to the scandal. So I'll, I'll be surprised if they don't lead uh, with the stag and dough and try to really get under the uh, uh, the collar of the premier, particularly around this issue of the, the stag and dough ticket and the developers and all that. Because we know what the premier's lines are going to be, right? So there's, also, the same calculation or preparation goes into it if you're in the opposition. You know that he's going to stick to the established lines. So the trick is, all right, and now I'm going to have a knockout counterpunch come in for my second question that picks up on what I'm certain he's going to say in response to my initial one. But look, o- over time, people care more about health care. But I think in the you know Punch and Judy show that's question period, my guess is they'll start with the scandal stuff. All right. Jerry, your thoughts?
3: If the NDP want to continue to beat the horse of the Stag and Doe Party, upon which the Ethics Commissioner has already ruled, then they can do that, or they could
2: do the business of Ontario. So I guess they'll choose. Yesterday there was a protest. Was it yesterday or on the weekend, we could say? Uh, There was a protest outside of a laser eye clinic, and the NDP and opponents to changes in the health care system are pointing to that sort of an operation as the the future purgatory. Uh, Jerry, were they out of line in uh, picketing outside of a private establishment?
3: No, well, no, they can do that, but their whole railing about profit indicates they don't have any idea how an economy works, which is unfortunate, because just because somebody is working for profit doesn't mean that they it will cost us more in the long run for healthcare. I mean, we have a healthcare system in this country that is overloaded with administration, for instance. Uh, if we got rid of that, we'd be more efficient, but nobody, nobody on that side of the thing seems to realize that, that that's more damaging than somebody maybe running efficiently at a profit. Deb Hutton? Did it
2: seem to you to be a rich target for protest?
0: Well, for their supporters, certainly, you know, doesn't cause me to blink an eye. What I find is interesting, and if I were the government would shoot back on this, is if your your marker for what's acceptable is not for profit, then there is a whole whack of things as the NDP you should be closing down including long-term care homes, including uh, existing uh, diagnostic centers that we've all used and not noticed a single bit of difference because we just show our OHIP card. So it's a, I think it's a, it's a dangerous position for them to have because if you don't believe in expanding, then you can't possibly be, believe in existing clinics that are currently for profit.
1: Well, thank God I'm here and can help you guys see through the clutter of uh, your own opinions. Uh, look... Here's the truth. I've been working on this stuff for 35 years, and I know what the polling is. And if you notice, whether it's the protesters who, you know, are a ragtag group, or the NDP, particularly Marit Stiles, the new NDP leader, they've made a shift in their language. And they've focused on this phrase, for-profit, for-profit healthcare. And I'm telling you, when you poll and when you take that into a focus group, it offends people's notions of how our healthcare system should work, because their impression is, if the profit motive is introduced, then that means it will come at the expense of care. That means that no longer will I get the care I need when I need it, but that now the for-profit motive will be part of that calculation. And we can argue, Jerry, about how much private delivery there is in the system and single-payer system and all that. I just think that shift of language by the NDP is wise. This, this is an emotional debate, and, uh, and, and, and it's one that the government thinks it wants to have. I'm not sure it does want to have it. Okay, so you're for the demagoguing of false economics. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not for the your honor. Uh, you know, the truth of the matter is that so this is a pitched debate, and usually you would have government opposition on this. But so the federal government has said, "You know what? We're cool with it." And everyone's making the assumption that because the health care system is under strain, that that the public will go along with this willingly. I think they're going to find that it's a much more divided public opinion out there. But um, Scott,
0: that means you have to close down if if you take it. Take them at their word. You have to close down places where we've all been, whether it's been for, you know, broken bones and x-rays or colonoscopies or or your doctor's office a or, ton exactly it doesn't a mean ton you have of to places do that.
1: well no because what they're really saying is the same thing the government is saying they're saying look we we want it to be a universal payer system but by introducing the phrase for profit they get to as, Gary, as jerry says they get to demagogue and demonize some of the reforms and uh, you know it isn't going to be i just said it's going to be an emotional debate it won't be wholly based on reason and i just think you know the government's done polling in advance it thinks that as long as they can place the emphasis on better outcomes uh, no matter what the uh, you know the ends justifies the means that they it will be free. Fine. I don't think it's as clean, clean cut as that. This is a complicated stuff. I've been on both in government, I've been on both sides of this argument, arguing for more private delivery in the system and arguing demagogically for, nope, we got a universal system and everything else is awful. And I tell you, this it's a treacherous place for governments to stride.
3: Where do we want to go? What do we want? What we want is better outcomes. But if you want to demagogue it, we won't get better
1: outcomes. Well, if you want better outcomes within a universal payer system, then I'm all for that. If you want univer—if you want better outcomes, or what you would call better outcomes, based on a two-tier system, then I'm against that. Once you introduce That's not what Ford is be- suggesting. Well, no, but that's what I'm that's saying. That's what your is- demagogues are suggesting. That is, and that's why the... the. Can premiers- we take a break on demagoguery? No! That's my no. favorite word. I love pets. That's the whole uh, entire democratic platform. I've got a demagogue. I've got a rolling, uh, Nova Scotia uh, duck tolling retriever dog. All kinds. Uh,
2: Julie Blacks stepped up to the microphone to sing the National Anthem at the All-Star Game and quite deliberately changed one word.
0: Oh, Canada,
1: our home on the native
0: land.
2: Okay, Deb, I, I get the point, but you don't fool around with the anthem.
0: You don't touch the anthem, you don't touch the flag, period, full stop. You want to have a debate about this, as we did a few years ago around you know, all our sons, that's fine. Have that debate, put it through Parliament, make your, your choice. Doing what she did is fundamentally wrong, and I think so disrespectful for our country and everybody who is a proud Canadian.
1: Scott Reid? Wow. Like, let's lighten up. It doesn't change the anthem. It's one person decided they wanted to express their take on it. I'm not... I, I, like. I am a traditionalist, so, you know, if they were to say, well, let's change the words, I'd probably bristle a bit. But it's one person, one event. It doesn't freak me out. I'm not threatened by it. Um, you know, I, I made fun of how fusty and Royal Dalton broadcaster you are, John. I just I, I think if this sets you guys off, you need to lower your temperature gauge.
2: No, no, I know people on Twitter, John Moore is losing his mind. No, I just made the point I don't like people fiddling around with the words of the anthem. Isn't she precious? she 's a very nice lady that 's my entire comment okay then let 's keep moving. Um, driver flipping a car to avoid running over a raccoon in downtown Toronto um, Scott Reed, you and I are in similar neighborhoods, and we get a lot of wildlife out there and While I
1: would be loath to run over a raccoon i 'm not going to flip my car uh, yeah, same here did, did the person did they just out of reflex and go, Oh my god, there's something in front of me and they jerk the wheel and then you like find yourself in that situation, or were they making a conscious decision of I would rather surrender my future instead of the raccoon's future? Like, yeah, I would suspect
2: they didn't know they were gonna flip their car.
1: Yeah. Well I'm telling you, you know, Rocky Raccoon goes before me. That would
2: be my choice. Yeah. Although Jerry, if you were on a motorcycle, you could get killed just running it over
3: yeah, but all that was running through my mind is you had a chance to take out a raccoon. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, Deb, are we being uh, cruel here?
0: Oh, God, no. I mean, other than you don't want to damage your car, I mean, drive right over top of them. The problem I have with this, so dry pavement, no snow, no ice, no gravel, where this woman was in downtown Toronto. She could have actually hurt somebody else. and and I've been behind drivers who have swerved for friggin squirrels. And they don't think their, their whole goal is just to avoid hitting an animal, a small rat, basically. And and they can go into somebody else's lane. They can slam on the brakes and all kinds of things can happen. So if she wants to flip her car. That's her thing. The problem is she puts the rest of us in danger by doing it.
2: Yeah, I have to say years and years and years ago in Montreal, I swerved. I would never swerve in such a way as to have an accident. But I swerved to avoid running over a squirrel and sadly took it out with the axle. So um, Well done. <laughs> um, where else are we going? We don't have a lot of time on the clock, but uh, wouldn't mind talking about uh, this report, which uh, is very, very unfortunate and paints a very gloomy picture of Torontonian's mental and physical health. I guess there's nothing all that surprising in this, Scott Reed. I mean, we went through hell, and so we've been uh, burned in the crucible.
1: Yeah, I. D- I d- I don't have any hot takes on something like this. It's not surprising. Uh, I do think that it is a reminder that the long-term implications of what we've gone through—like you can't go through a global trauma like COVID and not imagine that you know there's going to be there's there, there's there's going to be shoots of it five years, ten years, twenty years down the road.
2: Okay, but Deb Hutton. At the same time, one would expect Toronto Public Health to probably say we're all going to perdition because that's kind of their business
0: yeah they, I mean they want a hundred percent healthy community and you're never going to get that unless we all you know completely take our own personal health a hundred percent important and do everything that quite frankly many of us like to do we get rid of that. My problem is that we had a mental health crisis in this province, in this country before the pandemic. And yes, it is way worse. But I had two friends who tried to get their children into uh, treatment, so children's mental health treatment, before the pandemic and couldn't do it. So let's focus on the system and increasing supply, which was our earlier discussion, making it more available for people however that happens, and, and quit sounding the alarm bells.
2: Thank you all. Good to have you today. Jerry Igar, Scott Reed, and Deb Hutton on Free For All Round 1 with some assistance from uh, Sam live in studio as well. Catch the round table. Round 1 at 745. Round
1: 2 at 845. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.